Ciao, howlers. Couple quick warnings before we get started here today. First warning this podcast contains adult content. Aaron, hit it. Don't be a pixie. Second warning this podcast contains spoilers for the entire Red Rising series, most especially Morningstar here today. Here today. Don't forget to follow us, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Etsy, email, howlerpod at gmail.com. That's H-O-W-L-E-R-P-O-D. And don't forget to rate and review five stars only, or else we'll rip out your bloody damn tongue. Ooh, that's a good one. Tongue. I said that real country. <laughs> I'm going to rip out your tongue. <laughs> and now, howlerpod. Oh! oh. I'm going to kill you, Aja. I'm going to kill you in your face. Hello, Howlers. Welcome to Howler Pod, the one and only podcast for all things Red Rising, where every episode we dive deep to break down, celebrate, and discuss all aspects of the fantastic Red Rising series by Howler number one, Pierce Brown. Yes, Queen. I am your host, Ben Reinert. Co-hosting with me today, as always, the amazing Aaron Ayers. Hello, Howlers. We are here to talk to you about the end of Morningstar. Dude, all the chills, all the tears. This is chapter 57 through the end of the book. Apparently, that means... It includes the acknowledgments, which I did not know. So we'll be talking about that later. You should read the acknowledgments in books. Apparently people do that. I have not done that. (laughs) (laughs) So let's load up this star shell and shoot straight into our chapter summaries. Guess who shits their suit today? Oh, somebody does shit their suit. It's a surprise. Surprise shitting. (laughs) It's not that surprising. (laughs) When you think about it, no, it's yeah. not. <laughs> All right. Chapter 57, Luna. Darrow and his fleet sail on Luna. Surprise, they're not on Mars. The Ash Lord has arrayed the Scepter Armada defensively in preparation for an Iron Rain, but the moon is mostly unprepared for Darrow's fleet. Darrow asks Orion to clear a shuttle, which will be carrying Cassius. Um, but she's like, boss, you better be careful. I need a parrot. Several Mustang and Darrow go to Cassius's cell. When they offer to release Cassius, Antonia begins to laugh from her cell, saying they're playing with him. But no, they ask Cassius to swear on his honor that he will not participate in the war, and he swears. And Antonia's like, you're a bitch. (laughs) Um, They let Cassius out of his cell, and they unshackle him. He says goodbye to each of them, but when he shakes Severo's hand, something feels off. Cassius rips Severo forward, grabbing his scorcher and pointing it at Severo and demanding they get on their knees. The, uh, Darrow and Mustang comply, but Severo does not. He says, Howler rule number one, never bow. He grabs his razor, but Cassius shoots him in the shoulder and then six more times in the chest. O-M-G. And we're like, what the fuck? (laughs) That takes us to chapter 58, The Fading Light. Literally, I have written OMG. Blood is gushing everywhere from Severo's chest. Darrow is holding him in his arms as his friend's heartbeat slowly fades away. Cassius turns to shoot Darrow, but Mustang reminds him that the Sovereign will want him alive. He then lets Antonia out of her cell and has her watch Darrow and Mustang while he gets restraints. They shove Darrow, Mustang, and Severo's lifeless body into the grav rig meant for Cassius and then head to the ship that was primed for him. They launch from Darrow's ship and are not stopped by Orion, just like she promised. Cassius then broadcasts an emergency signal and soon Aja is on the comm. He shows her his newly acquired precious cargo and she tells him the sovereign will want them brought to the citadel cassius first makes her promise no harm will come to mustang aja does 
then tells him to circle to the backside of the moon and await contact from the jackal. Yeah. His fleet waits on the far side of the moon, ready to spring a trap on Darrow's. The jackal will be joining the sovereign and the citadel within the hour. Wow. Wow. The jackal. Twist. Chapter 59, The Lion of Mars. Mustang and Darrow are dragged onto the jackal's dock. Lilith is giving orders. One of the bone riders tries to buy Severo's bones from Cassius. And Tharsis, Tactus's brother, is there basically to insult and piss everyone off. Being a complete douchebag. He's a huge douchebag. <laughs> like way more offensive than Tactus. Right. Adrius then enters the hangar bay. He also confirms that Tactus swings both ways, by the way. Oh, yeah. He's like, yep. You boinking my brother. Yeah. I, he didn't say boinking. I didn't pretty much. Pretty for much. all intents and purposes, he said, you're boinking my brother. Yeah. <laughs> so then Adrius enters the hangar bay, inspecting Severo to make sure that he's dead. And he's like satisfied with the deadness of Severo. He comes to Darrow to show him that he is wearing Fitchner's rib cage, like a total psychopath. And then Darrow tries to bite his face roaring in rage antonia gives the jackal severo's pistol as a trophy after he tells her that she's still beautiful despite victor's handiwork but is she though no definitely is not she? <laughs> pretty sure she looks like she got her face smashed he then asks cassius to do the honors what's that mustang looks mustang says look at me darrow look at me he looks to Mustang. Cassius takes the superheated razor and cuts off Darrow's sword hand. Holy shit. Ouch. Ouch. It's a real Luke Skywalker moment right there. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I don't think about any of these things. Like, I've seen the movies, but I would never connect those two. Chapter 60, Dragon's Maw. Darrow is in major, major pain as they fly down to the Citadel, probably because he just got his hand cut off, I'm going to assume. Once on the Citadel grounds, they make their way to the Dragon's Maw, the Sovereign's centuries-old military bunker that is a kilometer below the surface of the moon. The hall leading to the bunker is heavily guarded by gold Praetorians, some greys, and a particularly scary group of obsidians called the Zero Legion. Our group is sealed inside the bunker along with the Sovereign, the Jackal, Aja, two additional Olympic Knights, and ten more Praetorians. They all stand around and watch the Sovereign talk with the Ash Lord and the other generals and shit. Uh, And then Mustang and Cassius do their best to clear the room of as many people as possible so they have less to fight. Mustang tells the Sovereign an obsidian horde... 10,000 strong has already landed on Luna and is heading for the Citadel. She also tells her that Sefi has united the tribes under one leader herself, obviously, Sefi the Quiet, and gets in a very sick burn about how the Sovereign would remind Sefi of her mom. Which Aaliyah I Snow Sparrow. Really appreciated. Who's even scarier than the Sovereign. And her blackhead infested nose. Yeah, that description, I'm like, <laughs> Every wa- time. wash your face, ma'am. <laughs> Just get some strips. Just get some strips for the nose, you know, some of those pores. She strips. needs to go on Queer Eye. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, the Sovereign tells Audra to clear the bunker of any obsidian because she doesn't trust them. And then she sends the ten uh, Praetorians that are in the room to go out and help with the horde. Next up on the docket is one Antonia uh, Severus. Julii, the be herself, chlamydia in person. You really <laughs> latched onto that joke. It's a great joke. You you love it. <laughs> it's a good joke. Okay. <laughs> if you say so. <laughs> She's about to get what's coming to her. The sovereign calls her out for abandoning Roke, and she's like really, really squirming here. She tries to explain herself. But she fails because she's a worm. She then tries to get her former lover, the jackal, to help her. He's like, fuck off. She is then executed for treason pretty, pretty gruesomely by Aja, who, like, suffocates her. From behind. From behind. 
and then snaps her neck. But we all kind of secretly enjoyed it. She doesn't even like fight back. She like kneels down and then like kind of. I mean, she's a coward. Also, you can't really fight Aja at that point. Doesn't work. Yeah. Well, bye, Antonia. Didn't miss ya. Nope. Chapter 61, The Red. Aja drags Darrow forward to the Sovereign, removing his muzzle. Octavius Greens have restored the links and are prepared to broadcast the execution of the Reaper to the core. Darrow challenges the Jackal, saying, Can't even do it yourself. Sorry, that was a bad Darrow voice. <clears throat> Can't even do it yourself. <laughs> He's like, oh, yeah, I want to do it. Like, as if Darrow's not manipulating everyone in this moment. Yeah, I feel like the Jackal should have seen this one coming. Should have been like, uh, since he said it, I definitely don't. If you saw everything else coming, including them coming to Luna, like, you gotta see that Darrow's fucking with you at this point. Right. Anyways. So Jackal says he'll do it. Strangely, the Sovereign defers to Adrius, allowing him the honor. He pulls Severo's pistol, preparing to execute Darrow. The broadcast goes live, and the Sovereign spits all her bullshit to everyone about honor and natural law and how gold is the only rulers. Uh, raw is everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I have an Octavia voice. That's pretty good. Just make it sound like an old hag. But like also, like Augustus. <laughs> they've all smoked a lot of cigarettes (laughs) lots of burners Burners, in these golds so then the sovereign turns to darrow issuing his sentence but he throws back his head and howls like a crazy person um the sovereign nods to the jackal he pulls the trigger but the gun misfires he's immediately like fuck what's going on because he knows it's a trap There's a noise behind the Sovereign. She turns, seeing her Praetorian guard die as Cassius sticks his razor through his skull and out his mouth. He then kills the other three guards and presses a remote, releasing Darrow and Mustang's restraints. Go, Cassie! (laughs) Ben's giving, like, the raise the roof sign, so it's hard to keep going. (laughs) So Mustang and Darrow have been released. Thanks, Cassius. Aja lunges, but she's too slow for once in her goddamn life. Darrow has pulled a knife from beneath his steel vest and lunged at the Sovereign. He stabs her in the stomach seven times, ripping the last one up towards her sternum, making sure she slowly dies. Got her. (laughs) You got her, Darrow. Calm down. Before Aja can reach Darrow, Mustang shoots her in the side with a pulse rifle, which throws her across the room. The jackal tries to swing Darrow's razor at him, but he's a little pixie. So Darrow quickly pins him to the floor with said razor, and the jackal can't reach the hilt with his little stump. And keep in mind, Darrow and the jackal are twins right now with their little stumps. Stump hands. Stump bros. Yeah. Aja rises from the table that she had crashed into, and Darrow runs over to Mustang and Cassius and finishes off the joy night. Let the most epic razor battle in the history of razor battles commence right now. Go read it if you didn't. I'm not so gonna, good. I'm not going to describe what happens, but it's fucking awesome. Aja is a freaking insane fighter, and she's so amazing, even though we hate her. But she's systematically kind of cutting everyone apart yep. slowly, but still like beating three people <laughs> yeah, somehow. Pretty easily. <laughs> Cassius is hurt. He got his leg stabbed. Mustang's tiny. She also has armor. And then, yeah, Aja has armor. And then, obviously, Darrow doesn't have a sword arm. And they're all wearing, like, jammies, basically. It's about to get more epic because the most epic razor fight needs a very own Severo. Darrow plunges the snakebite-filled syringe into his chest. And he says... Uh. <laughs> everyone's favorite line <laughs> takes us to chapter 62 omnis verlupus severo explodes upward from his hymanthus oil induced coma he does a quick assessment of the sitch he's like you're bleeding you're missing a hand i'm gonna kill you aja 
Cassius and Mustang continue trying to beat Aja back as Darrow and Severo join the fight. They then surround her and they start systematically cutting her down like the wolf pack that they are. Severo, I love this, is like taunting her. He's like, we're going to kill you. We're going to kill you. And she keeps getting pissed. They They start slicing away, like cutting at her legs and her arms. And then finally... Uh, she gets knocked back a little bit and Severo jumps up in the air and stabs her in the chest with two razors. And then she like pulls him out. She kneels down on the ground and he cuts her head off. Finally got that bitch. Damn. Ragnar's Damn. like, you go little brother. <laughs> yeah. He is definitely cheering from the veil. Like, yeah. Oh, I teared up a little because I said Ragnar. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, then we switch over to Octavia. She's about to die, but before she dies, she asks Cassius why he betrayed her, and he tells her it's because she lied, and he has hope that the next world can be better than this one. Octavia is on her last legs, and just before that stupid bitch dies forever, she tells Darrow that he must stop Adrius. She then dies, and ominously, the jackal begins to laugh. Ugh. Oh, God hate this guy not done with this guy yet chapter 63 silence they turn to the jackal and interrogate him they discover that the nukes are here on luna they let him rise and don't dare to touch him the jackal has a comb in his ear connecting him to lilith his insurance policy who has control over the nukes the sovereign was going to name the jackal her successor in exchange for him not blowing up luna Mustang implores her brother to stop, but he detonates a bomb, saying that she's trying to manipulate him. He tells Darrow to kill himself. Mustang's like, no. And then the jackal detonates another bomb. And keep in mind, like, five million people are dying at a time. And, yeah, plus all the radiation and yeah. the the ruining the moon. It's not good. Yeah. <laughs> Mustang looks at Darrow. What is your answer? Darrow says no and punches Adrius in the throat. He pins him to the ground and rips his tongue out. Yeah. I was like, yeah. And he was like, my held diver hands. And I'm like, talking about the hands. hands. <laughs> Call back to the hell diver hands. All right. They quickly try to figure out what to do. Excuse me. Lysander says from the side, call my godfather. He will see reason. That's an amazing Lysander. It's a little too cockney, but I'm not great at <laughs> distinguishing English accents. Mustang addresses the praetors of Octavia's fleet. She tells them to destroy the jackal's ship in order to stop the nukes from going off. You're a traitor, someone says. Lysander hands Mustang the scepter. She is no traitor. She is our conqueror. Nice. Chapter 64, Hail. So the generals decide to get on board. Lilith's ship is shot down by the combined forces of the society and the the rising, but not before 12 nuclear warheads are detonated on Luna. Darrow, Mustang, Severo, and Cassius gather themselves together along with Lysander. He's like tagging along. They aren't done yet. The doors to the bunker open and Mustang walks out with the group behind her, She's carrying two symbols of power. The Praetorians outside the door initially bristle, but these golds respect one thing, power. And Mustang is currently dripping with it, looking so badass. So sexy. (laughs) They fall in line, and the group heads back up the dragon's maw. The citadel is chaos as they walk through, but people start to see Mustang and the rest of the group and they fall in line behind her. Those who don't are cut down. They then burst into the Senate and catch them with their pants down because they are trying to elect a new leader. I love that Pierce describes that as them like... They're being, already doing it. Yeah, kids like getting caught with their hand in the cookie jar like, oops. Uh, <laughs> but seriously, I would take some cookies. Yeah, for sure. Mustang shows them the symbols of power tossing the head of the sovereign on the podium in front of her then lifting the dawn scepter yeah daryl falls to a knee saying hail sovereign and severo and cassius follow as well as lysander and the rest of the senators or well most of the senators mustang is the new sovereign 
A week later, they hang the jackal. As he hangs, Daryl walks up with Mustang, and she pulls his feet and ends his life. Bye. Bye. Bye, bro. <laughs> like we care. Dude, they're never going to find someone as evil as him, which is fine. Yeah, I think that's Hopefully okay. not. I don't know about Dark Age. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Ugh. Okay, 65, The Veil. In the aftermath of the bombings on Luna, the Ash Lord retreated to Mercury with his forces. Mustang secured much of the military, including the Grey Legions and the Obsidian Slave Knights. The Senate has been disbanded and the Board of Quality Control dissolved. Darrow has had his hand reattached because they picked it back up from the jackal <laughs> yeah, I was ship. Like, Is that still good? Is that a good hand? <laughs> I think Mickey's pretty good. Mickey could probably just make a whole new hand, too. Sefi, uh, she returned to Mars to free the rest of the obsidians and be Queen Bay down for them, and they're going to move somewhere warm and beachy, and I'm going to join them because I love large women. <laughs> Dancer will soon uh, bring the reds out of the mines and start that migration to the surface, and then Cassius set off on his own path, bringing Lysander with him. Weeks later, Mustang and Darrow sat down on a beach on Earth. Darrow asks Mustang if he has passed her test yet. She's like, you knew about my test? There's something she needs to tell him. A ship approaches and lands. The ramp lowers and Sophocles sprints out. Darrow hears a child laugh and he's like, what the fuck? Yeah, he's like, what's going on here? Uh, what? And uh, Mustang's shaking. So he's like, Okay. Kavox exits the ship with Dancer, Victra, Severo, Kieran, and Darrow's mother, Deanna, who is carrying a child with golden hair. Darrow, Mustang says, that is our son. His name is Pax. Oh, my God. This has been a production of Audible. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that comes after the epilogue. Yeah, then the epilogue is the last thing. We just learned that baby Pax was born... While Daryl was in the box, he was conceived on 50, 50 Shades of Red Rising. And dude, Mickey put some powerful sperm <laughs> in Darrow. I mean, one time. They warned you in high one school. One time wonder. Yep. You know, but it, it really can happen that fast. protection kids. And then Mustang's like, I was going to tell you, but I talked to your mom. We we're on Tinos. Which we, we thought happened, and this yeah. is confirming We it. probably should have just flipped to the end of the book and been like... No spoilers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's ourselves. what's going on. <laughs> but they decided to wait to tell Darrow until after the war because they like needed him to be a fighter, not a father, mm -hmm. basically. Uh, Darrow reflects that he can be a builder, not just a destroyer, and that when his son is old enough, he will tell him of the girl who inspired him to live for more. The end. This has been a production of Audible. <laughs> <laughs> Hit that. It's like the weirdest because TGR has like the milky smooth, sexy baritone. And then all of a sudden there's this like robotic like, this has been a production of Audible. Right. You're like, who are you? Get out of here. <laughs> all right. That ends the book. Ben, what was the theme for these last chapters yes. of Morningstar? So let's get going on this theme. The theme for these chapters is... Family. Family. Wow. Tying it all together here. The first place we see this, our good friend Cassius. Dude, Ben loves these chapters <laughs> because of Cassius. MVP. So yeah, Ben's super excited about Cassius because he is in love. I'm, I mean, I'm not in love. I just appreciate a good... You're in love with Cassius. Just as I'm in love with Mustang, it's fine. I just appreciate a good redemption. It's fine. And his dimpled chin and curly hair. Like, you don't have six dreams. Six-pack abs. Don't forget those. He, I bet he has more than six. <laughs> like Victra said, have you seen him with his shirt off? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm down. I'm just saying, like, I'm not so obvious about it. <laughs> All right. So, the first quote that we have, and this is basically the reason why cassius turns so he's talking to the sovereign she's about to die she's like leaking her guts out everywhere Look. yeah she turns to him she's like why did you why did you betray me and he tells her like you lied and this world sucks and you killed my family basically and then he she's like this is the best world we can afford and mustang's like that's really sad 
And Cassius is like, I think that's sad too. He says, my heart was my brother and I no longer believe in a world that says he was too weak to deserve life. He would have believed in this and the hope for something new. For Julian, I can believe that too. Seriously though, Julian was so nice and then he basically was set up to be murdered right. because of this weird institute thing yeah. that they all go through. So, Well, it's just a, it's an interesting dichotomy here because Cassius really got pulled into this war because of his family. He's fighting Darrow because he killed Julian. I mean, that's all it takes us all the way back to the institute when they first split. The reason that they're fighting each other is Julian and the fact that Darrow killed him. And now the reason that they're coming together again is Julian. Right. So it's just like, this is our full circle moment. Full circle moment. Right. Family. Good job writing, Pierce. (laughs) Do you think he planned this? Does he write outlines? He might have planned this out. I think he did. So then uh, moving forward with Cassius and the theme of family, we have Cassius and Darrow talking. This is before Cassius leaves for who knows where we don't know where he's going he's right. gonna be a wanderer like your homeboy from star wars <laughs> what the fuck is his name han solo han solo <laughs> uh, he really does do some han solo yeah, and iron gold he yeah he does sorry that was embarrassing that i couldn't remember han solo's name <laughs> you can unfriend me later so cassius hands darrow his house mars ring from the institute but darrow closes his hand back around it that belongs to julian says darrow then Cassius says, thank you, brother. Oh, man. Cassius and Darrow shake hands and say farewell almost six years to the day since they first met. Pretty, pretty cool. The love story is moving forward. Well, and this is like a really cool idea around, you know, like you get to choose your family. And this happens as you get older and especially in situations like this where you've experienced a lot of loss. And it happens a lot. It's a major theme in a lot of fantasy stories and, um, you know, kind of just like fictional stories in in general is like the family we choose and uh, the friends along that you make along the way. And that's kind of what we're dealing with here. And so Cassius has lost his entire family to this war, but he can find new family in people like Darrow and he's able to, you know, forgive, which is something that we talked about last episode where a lot of the time we didn't think these people were even capable of forgiving. And within the society, it's really not a thing that's done. Right. It's all about honor and the whole blood feud spitting in your face. Right. Like, next time I see you, you're going to die. Yeah. So it's also swallowing your pride and being able to kind of see beyond the fight and seeing a bigger picture here. Right. Compare this to the end of Red Rising when the last time they talk in Red Rising... Yeah. It's it's Cassius spitting blood in Darrow's face and saying, next time I see you, I'm going to kill you. Right. And now it's like, thank you. You're my brother. And that's that's really awesome. I don't think Roke could have ever done that. No, definitely not. And that's why Roke sucks. <laughs> that's why he's dead. <laughs> so then moving on, uh, what's the next one about family? So this is kind of along the idea of the family you choose And I just wanted to point out these great moments where the team really comes together and they achieve their goal. Like this whole plan does not work if all four of these people don't fight together. Yeah, like, yeah, I should fuck them up. There's no like Michael Jordan clearing it out, letting him just go in this situation. It's all about space jam. Right. Exactly. It's it's a team effort. It's the four of them all have their part. It's the four of them working together to take down the Sovereign, take down Aja. And this is particularly when they're fighting Aja. It's the four of them fighting together. Severo starts. He's like, he's laughing at her. And this was the part where I was like taunting. This is when they first cut her. He says, ha, ha, ha. Well, look at that. You do bleed. Let's see how much more you got in there. He hunches like an animal stalking toward her as mustang cassius and i pen her between us making a square around the greatest living olympic night like a wolf pack come upon a great panther of the forest 
shrinking before it as it cha- as it charges, striking at its hindquarters, slashing at its flanks, bleeding it out. We're a prison of four. Severus swishes his razor through the air, howling rapidly. <laughs> Severus just like freaking out he's got so he's much adrenaline he's <laughs> like i'm gonna kill you i'm gonna kill you Aja. you're about to die and she's like shut up right and so it's the four of them together that are taking her down and then i love right after that they're like each making a blow at aja right and, they're finally getting at her yeah and severo says this one's for quinn darrow says this one's for ragnar and like mustang's like this one's for mars or i'm not sure exactly who says what but when they're saying those things to her, it's like they're drawing on not only themselves and the strength of the four of them together, but also the past people that they've lost. Right. And they're calling upon like what Darrow said to Roke in the end, like uh, at Romulus's house, like you're alone. Right. Like I have my family with me. And even though these people that Ben just listed are lost, he's still carrying them as his family and as his purpose. Right. So it's kind of cool. They get to exact revenge on Aja for killing these dear people. Right. Exactly. The last thing that I had kind of on this with all of them working together is this is right when the Jackal has like revealed his entire nuclear plan and he wants Darrow to kill himself. And Darrow's kind of having a moment of reflection right before he does like the throat punch. And (laughs) (laughs) he's like, no, I'm good. (laughs) Yeah. But he says, I always thought I would die before the end. I trudged on knowing I was doomed, but my friends have breathed love into me, breathed my faith back into my bones. They've made me want to live. They've made me want to build. Yes. Yeah. And Amazing. so it's really the, this idea of family and, you know, the friends we choose and the family you choose that has brought Darrow to this place where he has the strength to to do what needs to be done. And he won't give up because he has all these people that he cares about. He has this family now and he has a, a family that he doesn't even know about yet that he's fighting Baby for. Baby Right. We know about him. Exactly. And... Uh, I think that idea is just so strong. It's just so touching to to see that. And it's what gives them purpose over like the jackal and his, just his hate, you know? Yeah. He, even he who was loved uh, mm-hmm. by his mother and by Mustang could never accept that he's being loved. Right. So this is great. Family. So, yeah, speaking of the Jackal, he and Mustang obviously are twins, so they are family. Mm -hmm. But it's a complicated relationship, and there's kind of two sides to the story of their childhood. Mm -hmm. So this is the Jackal talking to Mustang about said childhood. He says, Mother had just died. I couldn't stop crying, and you said you'd never leave me. But then Claudius would invite you somewhere, and you'd forget all about me. And I'd stay home in a big old house and cry because I knew even then I was alone. So this is obviously the Jackal's uh, viewpoint. And he he feels this bitterness and this loneliness. But he was always a fucked up child who like basically tortured messing with these weird that crazy just seems so fabricated mind to me, games like. even and i'm sure that there were times when you know mustang was with claudius but the jackal instead of including himself in his life and and trying to like be family was like always fighting the world basically right. well it's like he it seems like he saw any time when mustang would turn her attention away if her attention was a hundred percent focused on him then that's her abandoning him you know yeah like and she can't have her own life because yeah. he's so self-focused she can't have a relationship with claudius or right it, just and because that if he, if she does that means that she doesn't love him that's ridiculous <laughs> right and mustang's like you were loved and jackal says if mother loved me then why did she leave like why did she kill herself Mm-hmm. And it's sad also knowing that the Jackal is the one who basically kills Claudius. So even though all he wants is this love and this family, he kills all of his family members yeah. except for Mustang. Right. Except he doesn't kill his mother. But yeah. um, 
you know, he kills his dad and Claudius. For and sure. he's like, why doesn't anyone love me? Oh, yeah. Because you're fucking crazy, dude. <laughs> yeah. Well, but it doesn't seem like he puts in any effort. He just expects expects love to Just him, to come to him, yeah. But he doesn't, like, you know, put any effort in to do it himself. I also think he's incapable of loving because, like I like said, it. he's a psychopath. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, the last point on this with uh, Mustang being the Jackal's family, and even though he's so despisable she still has that warm spot in her heart they are twins um so when the jackal hangs darrow is thinking this is his perspective i know this tears her apart so i lightly squeeze her hand and guide her forward she moves across the snow in a daze to grip her twin brother's feet looking up at him as if this were a dream she whispers something and lowering her head she pulls down Showing him he was loved even at the end. He doesn't deserve it. I know. <laughs> this is like a tender moment and you're like, just let him turn blue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's watch him. Like the howlers will watch him suffer. <laughs> right. <laughs> but this is, uh, I think, really good, especially for Mustang, because now she's the only one left in her family. Right. In her original family. Now she has a son, obviously. Her parents and her brothers are gone. So I think it's it's great that Daryl knows the importance of family and, and kind of helps Mustang along so that she doesn't feel this guilt right. afterwards for not doing this deed of uh, kindness. Yep. And this goes along with the idea of this new world, like forgiveness and acceptance of mm-hmm. what happened. It's just like... This is the world that they're trying to create, a less hard world, you know? And so her doing that is just, you know, a first step in that direction, even for someone as horrible as the jackal who deserves it. The most horrible. Yeah, exactly. And then this final quote is just so fucking beautiful. Yeah, so I tried to read this to Ben earlier, and I definitely started crying. <laughs> and then I started writing it down, and I started crying. <laughs> so I'm going to make you read it. And this is just Daryl kind of reflecting about this idea of his family. He's found out about Pax now. And he's talking about, he says, and when he is old enough, he's referring to Pax, I will take him on my knee and his mother and I will tell him of the rage of Ares, the strength of Ragnar, the honor of Cassius, the love of Severo, the loyalty of Victra, and the dream of Eo, the girl who inspired me to live for more. I just love that so much. That's just like all those, like each one of those is a touchstone for Darrow and they gave him meaning, purpose, strength along the way, taught him something like he learned something from each one of those people and each one of those people informed his journey and brought him to this point where he was able to break the society and create this new world. And the image of like, Mustang and Darrow and the baby. I love it. I know, just like him, like bouncing on his bouncing knee. a little baby on his knee with Mustang smiling next to him. Wow, oh, man! All right, that's our theme for this week. Family, family, and thanks, Howlers. You guys are our family. <laughs> that takes us to the Prime Five, which, which is, is five of our favorite insights and observations from this week's chapters. Prime Five, number one. We chose to talk about Lysander because there is foreshadowing for Iron Gold. I know there's mixed opinions. Some people love Lysander and Iron Gold. Some people hate Lysander. I didn't really mind him. Yeah, he's he's still growing in my opinion. He's yeah. not like a fully formed person for me. Right. So, but in this point in this book, he is pretty badass because like. He actually is pretty pretty cool for like a ten year old kid or whatever. Yeah, like his world base. I mean, his grandma's getting stabbed to death. Yeah, how he is so calm. Like he's just you can tell that he's super smart. Like right. he's very analytical. Yeah. Um. So he's already uh, honorable as well. He is the one who suggests to call the Ash Lord to take care of Lilith. And mm-hmm. um, he's basically like instead of being like petulant, like you kill my grandma. He's like, oh, I need to save the my people on Luna. Here's mm-hmm. how we're going to do it. And it, he's basically allowing the Rising to like have that power and take over. Right. He's like young enough still where like the lessons that, that he's learning as a gold can still be applied 
in a honorable a, way. A pure way. Yeah, in a pure way. He's like still what Cassius like tries to always be is like yeah. purely honor. Right. You know. Yeah, they haven't taught him to be like a backstabbing biatch yet. You know? Right. Like, and <laughs> his his grandma, as much as she's taught him, obviously she's so duplicitous. Like he doesn't know even how horrible she right. was. She teaches those ideals, but she's so corrupt yeah. and can't see that within herself that like she's gone so far past those ideals that she passes on right. that Lysander is a great touchstone at this point because he's learned all those things, but he takes them truly to heart. It has the purity of a child still. And so only sees them at face value. How old is he? Like 10? I think he's like 10. Yeah. They also talk about how he has Lorne uh, Arcos's blood in mm-hmm. him. And I was thinking about that. His grandma killed Lorne. The whole, um, right. With the triumph triumph thing, yeah. you know, well, I mean, she just allowed it. Yeah. She was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she could have said, don't kill Lorne, you know, right. Yeah. So there's already family drama, obviously. Mm-hmm. But Lysander, um, he's the one who gives Mustang the scepter and says to all the Praetorians that she is the conqueror. And right. she's basically reminding these, the lords of the space battle, basically, that she is the conqueror. Therefore, if you're a real iron gold, exactly. you, you have to honor her power. Right. Yeah, that's a great point. That's exactly what's going on. It's like he's reminding all these powerful lords of the tenants of their society that the pillars that this place is built on. Right. And it's a 10-year-old that's reminding everybody of that. Like, it's don't crazy. forget all the lessons <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that we've learned. Yep. Uh, yeah, I'm really interested interested to see his journey and what happens with him in, in Dark Age. Especially when Cassius isn't dead and they're friends again. <laughs> I understand, I guess, the, a lot of the Lysander hate. I remember I being like, this dude's really emo and kind of well, spoiled. I think, I think we didn't like, like, he only saves the gold when all these low colors are dying. Like, he kind of does the opposite choice that Darrow would have done. Right. So, you know. Yeah. I think He's it went not always honorable. I think it went a little everyone. overboard, though. You know, the internets, we get excited about hating people. I like opinions, yeah. We all have So, that was Prime 5 number one. What's next? Let's talk about Pierce being tricky, tricky. Oh, yeah. Let's get into this. So, we aren't, like, super on board I'm not saying I'm not on board with it. Well, no, we're we like the lie. We like right. the storyline. But there's like one chap not chapter. There's one paragraph where it's like, okay, when you reread it, you're like, he he was just straight up lying. There are some lines that are pretty intentionally misleading and misleading for being but not in, fully false. For being within Darrow's head. Yeah. Since we're since this is a first person point of view. Right. It's not like Darrow's saying this out loud to someone, which right. would totally be acceptable. Right. But he's thinking... Thinking these things. Like the despair of losing a friend. And I guess your the counter-argument would be to this, and I was going to point out both things, is like he does appropriately set up what's going on, especially right, when you like reread Severo's it. Right, like several slurring. Several slurring. He he's blood, drinking from the flask. Blood erupts from the vest. He has the vest, exactly. And then there's also those clues we talked about in the weeks in the pods prior where we talked about the special project that Mickey and, and the orange Vierney cipher that we're working on. Yeah. Our special cipher. one orange. Friends. Yeah. He's got all the great plans. Get Good that guy a raise. Good job, cipher. <laughs> Glad you're still with us. <laughs> but there are some lines where it's like, I don't know. Like I'm not, I'm not quite sure that it's fair that these lines are being said. Inside Darrow's head. Because he would not actually be thinking this right. knowing what was actually happening. It goes both ways because there are other lines where if you read them in a slightly with this context, you can read them in one context where it would sound like, oh, it sounds one way and Darrow's really scared. How about... Or there's another it. way where you're like, you know what happens and the context of the line makes more sense. Okay, so an example of this would be like, he says, pulse fading away as tears stream down my face and Antonia howls a mockery. That's one where the way that that line is written, it sounds one way initially when you read it. But if you know what's going on, 
pulse fading away doesn't mean anything because that just means the hymanthus blossom oil is working and his streaming tears stream down his face antonia house and mockery that all makes sense that's cool that's good but two lines after that or a couple lines after that he says i'm overwhelmed by this darkness and the hate and the helplessness that's a little unfair i feel like because he's thinking that exactly he why would he be on uh, why would he be he'd be like oh this is great it's working <laughs> exactly <laughs> or like oh i hope someone else doesn't stab Severo to make sure he's dead right. this is one i really had a problem with okay this was the biggest one he says if Severo and mustang were not atop me i could crouch and put my back into the lid but their weight pins me down in the small container and so like that's him inside the the little grav uh-huh. rig when Cassius and Antonia right. are taking him to the ship. And that's just like, that's really fucking tricky. That's a really tricky line. Like, why would he be thinking, I could get out of here if he's like, he should be thinking like, I hope Antonia thinks this is all going well. Right. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't fully like incriminate Pierce, but also it's a pretty fucking <laughs> tricky line. He also it's says tr- it's sneaky, sneaky, this right. whole thing. I mean, yeah. And then Daryl goes on to say, I'm helpless in here, which I mean, he is helpless in here. That's a fact. That right. Is a fact. Right. But also that's like him thinking that in his head is a little unfair. Yeah. Our only problem is that these lines of despair and being weak and helpless and trapped are what he's thinking. And if you think if you're rereading it, you're like, he would not be thinking that. Right. That's that's where I'm just... Th- it's just those couple lines. It's only it's really only in the chapter right when right. it happens. And I realize why Pierce is doing it. He's trying to really get us to believe that Severo's dead. Yeah. But we're being very logical here. <laughs> I'm not saying it's it's bad or anything like that. Like I like the twist and I like the You like the tears that weren't for any real right person. well i mean i remember just being like shocked but also being like there's enough clues there where you have still enough doubt you could be like where if you're reading closely like even the first time you should have like at least a little part of your mind where it's like maybe several still alive or maybe daryl's up to something <laughs> i did not have that I just... you really thought he's just like completely dead oh yeah I mean, maybe it was just me holding on to hope well, then. Well, you've always loved Cassius. I was like, knew it. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. Oh, yeah. I totally thought. I, like, fully thought he was dead. I didn't catch any of those lines about him slurring or, like, the little breadcrumbs. I didn't catch any of that. No, I, definitely not. I did catch some of the stuff where they're like, it seemed like they had some kind of a plan. And we are getting to the end of the book. So it was like, something's got to happen. You know, that's really all the only yeah. reason I was like that. But I did think he was dead. I remember, like, I did think he is dead. Okay. But I was just, like, more or less just being, like, I'm going to hold out hope here that something's up. I love, too, that Pierce did this because it's so fun when Every time. you have new friends <laughs> who are texting you, like, Severus fucking dead. Like, it's so fun to know and oh, then, yeah. like, watch someone go through it. I love talking to somebody, like, halfway through Golden Sun, and they're like, he better not kill Severo. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, and you're right. like, interesting <laughs> opinion. Because you, like, don't want to ruin that first <laughs> surprise, you know? Right. It's too fun. Yeah, so those lines are, they're, like, it's they're, all there. They're sneaky. It's just there's some really sneaky lines. Yeah. All right. Moving on also to Pierce's epic writing about battling that most epic razor fight (laughs) i wrote down epic fighting shit that's the (laughs) prime five so we have a a few here we have antonia dying like a little bitch yeah we got to talk about that a little bit already we're like finally yeah i was a little sad were we sad i was thinking were we sad that victor didn't get to be there and see it and or kill her or was she do you think she was done at her after she busted her face up i think victor busted her face and then felt the guilt of um you know it's still her sister that she loves i think if victor had killed antonia she would have felt horrible like a bad person so I i think it's good that antonia got justice from like the enemy who she also betrayed. I right. mean, this just shows that all sides wanted to kill her because she's duplicitous 
and self-centered. Right. So she's the worst. Let's not forget that she was crucified by the jackal at Who the she institute. then slept with and was like, I'll fix my ugly face. What a terrible person. So then also, obviously, we have to talk about Aja's fighting skills. Oof. I mean, she's so scary. <laughs> she is terrifying. Like, she's so good. At, you know, some sometimes you read the books like, I could totally be Darrow. Like, I could do all that. But you read about Aja and you're like, I could definitely not do that. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you know, like, she's way too good at fighting. And just how she, like immediately the three of them are fighting together and just like immediately splits them all apart and then has them on the ropes immediately and daryl's just like we're all gonna gonna die die. right (laughs) yeah Yeah, and he knows it (laughs) and then um the way the severo trick works and he ultimately kills aja which is like pretty satisfying so so satisfying yeah gets her yeah they and i love that they the line where they're like cut her across the back finally and then it's like something that nobody's ever seen it's like aja's, aja's blood. blood like she's so a scared. little trail of blood on the on the floor and that <laughs> makes her yeah that makes her like more scary but also you're finally like oh we got this like and then i love how several double stabs her and he's like hanging off the ground yeah he's like jumping up on the ground and then she kneels down and then that's when he's down yeah he, she's so huge yeah that's when his feet hit the ground <laughs> dude epic battle shit and then the sovereign's just like time will remember you forever and so and was like no well <laughs> chops her head off <laughs> and she's like moaning at the grotesque yeah several like jumps on her decapitated body on all fours he was such a freak during this whole part. I mean, even me, I'd be like, oh, Severo. Like, Cut it out. Uh, but a little too far there, buddy. <laughs> and then uh, included in this Prime 5, of course, is Severo just jacked up on adrenaline. Yeah. Multiple heart tweaking, attacks. Man. Tweaking out. <laughs> shitting his suit. We got a sh- we finally got a shit your suit moment. We got another another shit your suit moment. We that did was it. a great moment right before they're about to walk out. Everybody's like <laughs> And then he like makes a face and they're <laughs> yeah. like, Are you still shitting? He's like, I'm having a heart attack. <laughs> that was great. And then also I gotta say that Daryl tells everybody, I love you. And Severo has that great line. He's like, even Cassius is <laughs> like gotta love me today especially today especially today yeah ben is keeps trying to sprinkle back in cassia's moment <laughs> um last epic, gotta make sure my boy gets to shine he's shining don't worry <laughs> uh last epic fighting shit prime five is daryl ripping out the jackal's tongue mm. pretty amazing Held ever hands. The way he like Hashtag put, held ever hands. Punches him in the throat and rips his tongue out. Just like, dude, shut up. <laughs> yes, I know. Yeah, he finally realizes what the jackal's weapon is. It's not a razor. It's not ships. It's not, it's not a his fleet. hand. Yeah, it's his tongue. It's his tongue. Perfect. It's so it's so poetic. And I mean, they're totally fucked at this point because. They're blowing up bombs right and left, and they're mm-hmm. like, "We need to do something." Yep. So, and if we I didn't mean, get one last reference to Helldiver fast hands. moving Helldiver hands, I mean, this wasn't going to be a complete like, journey. Why would we even read the books <laughs> yeah. if we didn't get that? <laughs> These hands, they're so powerful. The quickest vipers. <laughs> I don't know. All right, moving on. What's uh, next on our Prime gotta, 5? Because I got the last one, so you can do this one, too. Also, this is your girl, so... So, Spoiler next, alert. next Prime 5, homegirl Mustang. I just want you to imagine this scene. That's all for this Prime 5. That That's why we love it. That's why we pointed this out. So, I just want you to picture this in your head. Mustang walking down the hallway. Like, beaten up and bloody with her, like, half-alive crew gathering people behind her as she like, walks and they're like definitely doing a slow walk right this is definitely slow motion and they they say explosions she, around them okay <laughs> <laughs> but they say Things like she, crumbling she doesn't break her stride yeah she says praetorians you serve the sovereign the sovereign is dead a new star rises yep and she's got like 
the Clash of the Titans holding up the Medusa head situation. Plus the scepter. Plus the plus the Dawn scepter. And she has so Lysander by her, which is another powerful symbol. Mm-hmm. And he's he's you know really helping us out at this moment. It's not too shabby. He was pretty helpful. Actually. He was very helpful. <laughs> um, and uh, just think of Mustang like lightly glowing. <laughs> I feel like yeah, during this part she's like floating. Yeah, it's yeah. basically we've been she's focused got, like, the on fiercest walk of all time. Well, yeah. <sighs> And she's gorgeous with her hair. <laughs> but we're, we're always so focused on Darrow and then also Aries. And at this moment, it's like, oh, my, like a gold is leading them. And it's pretty epic that she steps up, especially knowing that she's going to have to bear this weight. And she has little packs. Yep. She never wanted it, but, no, but she's she, the person she, to do it. She understands like if they're going to end this war without all the sovereigns lackeys fighting till the death, like they can't have Darrow continue to lead because he's a red and they won't accept that. So right. pretty fucking epic, especially just that w- slow walk forward into the Senate room. Yep. That is going to be one of my favorite scenes if they ever make the TV show. They're going to... Why'd you say that? They're definitely making it. <laughs> They're definitely making it. They're definitely making it. Okay. Last item on the Prime 5 list is you should read the acknowledgments to this book. Which I swear to God, I have never in my life read any acknowledgments because when the book's over, it just, you know, it ended. The story ended. I don't care about who's being thanked apparently though the acknowledgments in this book are very good i have not yet heard them. quite powerful obviously he's a great writer talks about all the people that got him to where he is and and then he thanks the howlers and then he just has a great message here at the end and i remember the first time i read this it really hit home with me and it's a message that i wish that i had heard when I was younger, uh, because I think it's just great. And this is one of the things I think that makes Pierce just an amazing person. And especially for our younger howlers out here, I think this is something that you should remember. Pierce says, everything grand is made from a series of ugly little moments, everything worthwhile by hours of self-doubt and days of drudgery. All the works by people you and I admire sit atop a foundation of failures. So whatever your project, whatever your struggle, whatever your dream, keep toiling because the world needs your skyscraper. Per Astra, at Astra. Wow. <laughs> and that's like, I just think that's a great lesson. It's a great thing to take, take with you. Like, you should just try shit. If you fail at it, who gives a fuck? Trying is way cooler than not. And look how amazing these books are. Yep. And one of the things he talks about is like how much he wrote prior to, you know, Red Rising being picked up. It's amazing. Like he wrote like six books prior to this series ever being picked up and he never gave up. And, you know, failing is just part of the journey. And that's something that Daryl learns, something that we should all learn. And I just think that this is like a serious moment now on Howler Pod, but Seriously? I just think it's like I'm feeling inspired. <laughs> I don't know. It's like that's the whole reason we got into this podcast. Like, who gives a fuck if anybody listens to it? It's just really cool to try something and be passionate about it. And who get who cares if you fail? It's just gonna make you a better person. I just want all of our howlers to remember that and take that with and them. And it's cool to try. It's cool to try. It's, it's always not cool to fucking try. cool to sit on your ass and watch netflix all day which i also do (laughs) (laughs) it's cool to try it is it is all right now that we're all inspired thank you pierce and ben for pointing out the acknowledgements (laughs) which i legitimately didn't know existed (laughs) we are going to move on to our primus of the week the primus of the week is where we choose the one character who conquered our proctors of plot and rose above the rest our Primus of the Week this week is my guy, Cassius. <laughs> Dude, today Ben's like, can Cassius win Primus? I was like, fine. He's like, but he's like never won and he like definitely should win. Like he's so excited about this. Anyway, yes, I agree. Cassius was 
the catalyst for this entire plan. Doesn't work. Daryl put himself, Mustang, and Severo at the mercy of Cassius. Right. He could have easily betrayed them in that moment. He had all the power. Yep. And he followed through because he's honorable, even when he's betraying <laughs> the person he swore his honor to. So. Right. Yeah, this one's pretty self-explanatory. Word up to Cassius. You did great this week. Great cleft chin. Still looking fine. Some good razoring. Great new arm. Yeah. And Extra biceps. Great acting skills. Yeah, we learn he's a good actor. Do you think they, like, quote, killed several because he's probably not good at acting? <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Yeah, he probably would have given it away. <laughs> like, yeah, we're going to have to definitely kill you, several. You're going to say some shit and get us all killed. Right. So we kind of talked about this with the theme in the Prime 5 already, so we don't need to cover much more than that. But nothing works here at the end of the book unless Cassius does this. So that's why he is primus of the week congratulations buddy you deserved it are we friends now we are okay we're friends i'm friends with cassius now and i'm glad that he's definitely still alive in dark age yeah i'm gonna just keep saying it until it's true (laughs) yeah all right you know what it's time for what are we into this week i'll go first you oh you say that every time i don't think so what are you into this week ben I am into an Instagram account. <laughs> this is going to be a very <laughs> informative. What are we into this week? It's actually amazing. It's, and I've already purchased merch from this. It's account. my favorite Instagram account on Instagram. And it's, I think the full account name is Nathan W. Pyle Strange Planet. <laughs> okay. I'm not sure what the ad is, but. Cool. Yeah. Strange it's, Planet. It's Nathan W. Pyle, Strange Planet. But it's all these little comics of aliens. Um, hand-drawn. Hand-drawn comics about aliens. Talking about just like normal shit that happens on Earth. And they talk about it in a really funny alien way that makes you laugh pretty much every time you read them. And they're about like real life day-to-day activities. Yes. Um, but as if an alien were doing them. So they're very, they, they say them in weird ways. Can you like read an example? I will read an example. So this is like a child that runs up to their parent. And the child says, I've been mildly injured. And the parent says, ah, minor. And then they says, please point to your in- imperceptible trauma. and the kid points to their finger the mom alien kisses it says moi and then the child runs away and it says i will now sustain a slightly worse injury and the (laughs) parent says to themselves this will be a critical development (laughs) it's very good you have to kind of see it i don't know if that works works, but but um we follow them um on our instagram account out at howler pod so if you look at who we're following and just search for strange planet it's mm-hmm. super great especially if you like cute little comics strange planet comics yeah yeah they're fucking awesome shout out to sarah shipman who pointed that out to me cool that i work with aaron what are you into this week me <laughs> i'm into the netflix show remember and i was like don't watch netflix all day <laughs> just kidding <laughs> you should watch this <laughs> If you like really weird shit, which I know you do because you love Red Rising, mm. um, this is an alt comedy show on Netflix. It's called I Think You Should Leave with Tim Robinson. And it's very it, funny. It's sketch comedy. It's really offensive and weird and really, really quick sketches. Um, it's similar to Mad TV if you watched that. But it's like, I think more offensive maybe. Yeah. But like weirder, I don't know. Offensive and weirder for sure. But like really great production quality. Yeah, I love it. It's ba- in my opinion, and I am a huge Saturday Night Live fan. This is like a better Saturday Night Live because it's like all the good sketches right. are compiled into one. And it's not live, so they have right. Yeah, it's definitely more really produced, and they have right. a lot of SNL people on this show. Yeah. Um. So it's called I Think You Should Leave with Tim Robinson. It's good. And then don't forget the Strange Planet Instagram account. Yes. All right. Next episodes on HowlerPod. 
let's let's everybody gather around and we're gonna talk here around the fire at the institute Gather around the fire all right so here's the plan we have finished morningstar reread we reread red rising we've read golden sun we've reread morningstar we do plan to reread iron gold however we will not be completing an iron gold reread prior to the release of dark age reason and being what he means is we won't do a chapter by chapter right. episode we, we will do like a recap on iron gold though yes so there's two things with that we are going to do a, an episode where we talk about iron gold we recap it we kind of review it our thoughts on it more of an overview overview we will also be doing a chapter by chapter reread of iron gold however we are not going to do that until we have read dark age Right, and, and giving everyone a chance to also read Dark Age. Exactly. So we can talk about things that are in Dark Age that we kind of see come to fruition um, out of Iron Gold's plot. Right. Yeah, because like the way we like to do things here, we obviously like to talk about things within the context of the entire series. And I just don't think that we can do that very well with an Iron Gold reread before Dark Age comes out. Also, that episode won't be good for very long or those episodes won't be very won't be good for very long because as soon as dark age comes out a lot of shit's probably gonna change unless pierce pushes the books back again. <laughs> <laughs> so what our plan is is we do we are gonna do some episodes before dark age comes out we want to do one on iron gold we'll probably do one or a couple on on our hopes and dreams for dark age right theories we'll do some dark age preview type stuff we also would like to do a mailbag episode where we get questions from listeners. So you can start sending in questions, as always, to howlerpod at gmail.com, Instagram, or Twitter. You can hit us up there at howlerpod. And we'll start taking those questions, gathering together. We want to do a whole episode where we're just talking with you guys about questions that you have for us. So start with that. And then once Dark Edge comes out, we're going to read it. Then we'll start doing the chapter-by-chapter chapter rereads for Iron Gold and Dark Age after that. So be sure you have already ordered your Dark Age because you're going to have to read it quick. Well, we're going to have to read. We're going to do a whole Iron Gold reread prior uh, to. I'm, I can do that. Everyone read Iron Gold and then Dark Age, and we'll talk about it. Yeah. So sound like a plan? Shake on it. Shake on it. Oh, so. Thank you uh, for listening. As always, follow us where? Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Etsy. Email howlerpod at gmail.com. H-O-W-L-A-R-P-O-D. Don't forget to rate and review. And if you don't five give us... Five stars only. Five stars. We're going to choke you slowly to death from, from behind. behind. And from then behind. And then snap your neck. That's so creepy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think... Do you think people like the threats? Uh, I think they're working because we've gotten some five-star reviews. We do have a lot of five-star reviews. And thanks, I will guys. choke you slowly to death. That is not an idle threat. But thanks, Howlers. Also, don't forget, share the books. Share the books. Share the Spread share the, the gospel. Pod. I'm about to give these other two, uh, Golden Sun and Morningstar, to the person, Nicole, who I've talked about. Mm -hmm. Get my Red Rising copy back. Pass it along to someone else. Nice. And yeah, if you have Howler friends out there who aren't listening to the podcast, you're like, bro. Like, what are you doing with your what's life? What's going on? You got to get on Are Howler you Pod. sitting and watching Netflix and not making new <laughs> things like Pierce <laughs> said in the acknowledgments? All right. We shall return. Thank you, Howlers. Omnis Vir Lupus. Oh. Hello.